Have you ever thought about what the world would be like without trees? It'd be kind of ugly, wouldn't it? It'd be kind of like the moon. Or, or maybe the desert. I know some people like the desert. One of the reasons I don't like the desert is because there's no trees. I mean, I, I really love trees. And when I think about trees, trees have played a significant role in my life in terms of uh, memories. Uh, when, I was, when I was 12 years old, my dad moved us to a ranch, and uh, the name of the ranch was the Singing Trees Ranch. And we had, we had pine trees that, that uh, went all the way up our quarter of a mile drive, all the way to the top of the hill that we lived on, and it was just lined. It was beautiful. And in, and in front of the house that we lived there, in, in there, there was a beautiful oak tree, a massive, massive oak tree uh, that had fallen, and then an oak tree had grown up out of that. And so it gave us this amazing shade. And for a 12-year-old, it was great because there was acorns all over the place, and I used to pelt my sisters with them, you know, and have all, all kinds of fights with them. So that, that was a lot of fun. Uh, that was part of, that was a season of my life, the season of, of the trees. And then the next season of my life was the uh, drug years. And, um, you know, when in, in the drug years, you talk to trees, yeah, and they talk back to you. This is the talking tree. Anybody ever experienced the talking tree? Yeah, yeah, I got, you know, it's, I, I got some memories about the talking tree. I was really high. Anyway, uh, and then after the talking tree, there was this part of my life. Now, so I went from that, and then I became a Christ follower at 19 years old. And at 19 years old, I went to a Christian college called Bethany, deep in the Santa Cruz Mountains, full of redwoods. And this is something what it looked like in the Redwood Bowl. Um, the trees were even bigger than you see right there. They were amazing. And I spent a lot of time in this little place called the Redwood Bowl. It was gathering for Christians and, and different things that happened there. But uh, it was my devotional time. Many times I'd be there in the morning with my Bible. And uh, sometimes in the evening, me and God and the Redwood Bowl. And so those are really, really, really precious memories to me. And then the next stage of my life, which has been a major part of my life, was this uh, coming to the beaches. And when I think of the beaches, I always think of palm trees. And, uh, and I love palm trees. I love, it reminds me of tropical places, and I, and I love tropical places, so beautiful memories uh, of that. Now, this is what I want to sort of focus on this one a little bit. Does anybody know what this is? This is a bonsai tree. Yeah, yeah. So let me tell you about a couple things about the bonsai tree. The bonsai tree is not small because it wants to be small. There's nothing in the genetics of a bonsai tree that is even designed that way that says, so that's why this tree will be small. And actually, the word bonsai means planted in a container in Japanese. And what the, the whole idea behind a, a bonsai tree, uh, Mr. Miyagi actually uh, can illustrate this perfectly. How many of you seen The Karate Kid? Man, if you have not seen The Karate Kid, you know, should have got an Academy Award. Amazing movie. Anyway, The Karate Kid. So Mr. Miyagi is, is trying to talk about how to, to take care and manicure the bonsai tree. But the whole idea behind the bonsai tree is to keep it small. And so everything you do is to keep it beautiful and small. Beautiful and small. So I want you to keep that idea in front of you, okay? Because there's things that we can bonsai in, in our life. The bonsai tree. So understanding God's love is, is kind of like the anatomy of a tree. So if you have your Bibles with you, turn to the book of Ephesians. And uh, by the way, I, I, know, I know every week I'm going, hey, turn in your Bibles too. And I, would you please really do it? Um, like if you actually have a mobile device or if you actually have them, because I think that it's important that you actually read the words of God. They're powerful. They're so powerful. So chapter 3, Ephesians, beginning with, we're actually going to begin with verse 16. Verse 16. And of course, the Apostle Paul most likely is writing from prison. 
And he's writing to the churches that he's established over in uh, this beautiful city of Ephesus. And he says, beginning with verse 16, I pray that out of this... I pray that out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in the inner being so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. Remember last week, if you were here, we talked about faith, how God wants to expand our faith and grow our faith. And I pray that you being rooted, now here's where we get into the tree language a little bit, at least into the growing language. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of God. He doesn't want you just to know love. He wants you to grasp it. He wants you to understand love. But not any love, the love of Christ. And to know his love that surpasses knowledge. Think about that. How does love surpass knowledge? You might remember in 1 Corinthians that Paul was talking about love, and he said, what he says, knowledge puffs up. It gives us pride how many of you have known somebody who was pretty prideful because they're pretty smart? He says, but love does something different. He says, love builds up. He says that it surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God, that you might be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. God wants to give you everything that he has. Now, this statement right here, I want you to read the words, and I want you just to take it in and let it sit with you just for a second because you've probably seen this before. But the question is, did you really believe it? That there's nothing you can ever do to make God love you any more or any less than he does right now. Did, did, like, see, on an intellectual level, maybe you uh, grew up in church and you've heard this before and you're like, yeah, yeah, I know. But on an emotional level, on a heart level, do you really, really believe that? Because life doesn't work that way. We live on kind of a merit system in the world. We all know if we behave well, do well, are good, you know, then we get rewarded for that. And if we're bad, we don't get rewarded for that. And so for us to take a statement like this, we're like, ah, I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, even today, all these years later, like, if I'm not doing well, if I've got a bad attitude, I just feel like God doesn't love me so much that day. How about you? You ever feel that way? You really blow it, maybe you just kind of lose your temper, you really hurt somebody, you said something you shouldn't have said. And you're like, oh, man, I, you know, I, I don't think God loves me right now. At least, at least I'm not feeling it. And, and here, here's what I believe with all my heart, because this is, this is bared out in Scripture. You've got to remember that in the Bible, we have all these amazing stories of all these characters in the Bible, and they're very human. They're just like you and me. They're very flawed. And you, and you look at all those stories, even the great one, David, right? Man after God's own heart. And, and the man after God's own heart committed adultery and murder, was involved in a cover-up and some pretty terrible stuff. And yet, God loved David, and God loves us. So here's what I've... Have you ever thought what would happen? Let's just say, for the sake of of an example, that all of you at 5 o'clock tonight had a meeting with God over a cup of coffee. And so, you're sitting here, and you've got your cup of coffee, and let's just say God's sitting right there. So here's the question. What do you think God's going to say to you? What are you going to hear out of God's mouth? Because I think probably for a lot of us, we think he might say something like this. You know, I'm kind of disappointed in you. I mean, I really feel like you're not reaching your potential. Um, You know that thing that you did last week or last year? Yeah, wasn't good. I mean, don't, don't a lot of us feel like that's probably what we might hear God? I, I don't know. I don't know what you think. 
But I know, based on all the stories of God and the character of God, I know that it would probably be something more like this. Do you know how much I love you? I mean, do you really, really know how much I love you? Like, I think about you all day. Like, I, I love you so much. Can you comprehend how much I love you? I don't know about you, but by that time, I'd be bawling. I'm like, wow. I, no, I try to. I, I try to understand how much you love me, but wow, thank you. But we don't have to guess what he would say. We know what he would say. That's exactly what he would say. I mean, he didn't send in his son into this world to die. The Bible says while we were at our worst, we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He, he, he loves us that much. I, I love the Apostle John. He just can't get over love. If you've read, you know, John or the letters that he wrote, 1st, 2nd, 3rd, or if you're even the book of Revelation, it's just like he can't get over love. In fact, he actually calls himself the one who Jesus loved. Like, come on, John, a little much. But he says this, he says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because, here it is, what is it? Say it again. God is love. God is love. That's why it's so bothersome and it's so sad when people who say things like, yeah, God is love, and then you know, hateful statements come out of their mouths and they're all over social media blabbing stuff. And, and, and it's no wonder sometimes that people look at church people and go, yeah, you talk the talk. I don't know. I don't know if you love or not. The, the Bible says God is love. And God is love, not, not because we're so great, because we kind of know our track record. It's not the best. But he decides that he's going to love us just because he wants to. Like, it's unconditional. Like, he, he just, he created us to be loved and, and to love. It's just, it, it's just, we're wired that way. And so, when we talk about love, and we probably need to expand the idea of love just a little bit, as you know, in the English language, we have one word for love. And so, I say... I love God, and I love pizza. And it's like, whoa, I mean, there needs to be a better word, because, yeah, I do love pizza, but, I mean, that God's a whole, whole different thing. And so in, in, in the Greek language, they have four different words for, for love, and there's kind of like your friendship love, and then you know, really loving your family, a deeper kind of love, and then there's a romantic love, and I call it eros love, and then there's this kind of love right here. This is the deepest kind of love. This is the kind of love where, I, where God, really, it's God love, where he says, I choose to love you no matter what. No matter how you behave, I'm going to love you all the time, every day, 24 hours of every day, of every year. I choose to love you. That's, that's God's kind of love. That's why it requires so much power if we're going to say, well, I want to love like God. Really? Like, I want to love that way too. But that's a tall order. And we need more of God inside of us if we're actually going to love the way that he loves. That's why he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you be in, now here we come back to that rooted example, rooted and established in love. And because of that, you'll, you'll have power. If you and I are going to have love in our life, and I'm talking about profound, powerful, deep love, 
It means that our roots are going to have to go down. But one of the things that can happen in our life is sometimes the roots start to go down, but then they get stopped. There's something subsurface that stops those roots. And I, I believe that one of the things that's actually mentioned in, uh, in Hebrews, it says this, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, and that no, now catch this, he actually uses this language in Hebrews, that no bitter root, no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. I wonder how many times that we're like, yeah, it's all going good. God, I love you so much, you know, and I, I'm starting to learn to love other people. And then all of a sudden you have that encounter with somebody and it goes really bad. They walk out on you. They hurt you. They burn you. They steal from you, whatever it is. And then you just, all of a sudden the roots stop growing. They're just stuck right there. Why? Because you, you won't forgive. And that's one of the requirements of God. Love equals forgiveness all the time. And so I just want to throw that out there. If you're here today and you're saying, yeah, you know, there was a, maybe this is the deal. Maybe you can sort of diagnose what's going on in your life today. And you say, yeah, you know, I was doing well. But if you really think about it, but, you know, I hate Jane because she did this to me. Or, or Larry, every time I see him, I just want to hit him. And there's just that, that visceral, emotional thing that you've got going on about that. Established in love so that you may have power. Why, why are you going to need power? Because it's hard to love. All of our life. Trying to, I mean, I, I love my wife, and I love my kids, and I love my friends. That's pretty easy. I love God. But it's hard to love people that are hard to love. And that's where, that's where I need the power, where you need the power. So here's the thing. God's love nourishes me. We're talking about getting into the love of Christ, so the power of, of God's love. So first of all, it, it nourishes me. It nourishes my soul. Does it? Is that what's, what's keeping you going? Is, is that what's nourishing your soul today when you say, well, what really like, is life-giving to me and what really makes me come alive, is it God's love? Is that it? Or is it something else? I'm going to tell you something right now. If it's something other than God, there's a word for that in the Bible, and it's called idolatry. Because anything bigger than God, that you love more than God, God says that's an idol in your life. So what is it that, you know, if you're just being honest, you might just say, and nobody's pointing any fingers at anybody, but you might just say in this moment, well, actually, it is, it is something else. When I really think about it, when I really assess my life, it is something that that's where I seem to get most of my energy from, and, and it just kind of keeps me going. What is it that anchors you? What is like, what would you say is the foundation? Like, this keeps me grounded. This anchors my soul. I hope it's not a person other than God. Because here's, here's what's going to happen. Nobody deserves for you to say that you're my anchor. Because it's going to drain that person, kill that person eventually. And by the way, that person's not going to live forever. And I, I hear it all the time. Well, they're the anchor of my soul. We write songs, you know. I live for them. But at some point, you're going to kill them because you're just there. That's too much to ask of anybody. So God says, no, no, it's me, me. I'm the anchor of your soul. If I'm the anchor of your soul, then you can love powerfully in a way that you never thought you could love before. And then finally, it empowers me. I think one of the greatest obstacles in our life is fear. It is one of the most powerful human emotions that we have. And if you've ever had your heart broken, 
Isn't it hard to come back again and say, I'm going to love again? Well, maybe not for a while. There's a fear. There's a fear of being hurt again, whether it's in, in a marriage or whether it's in some other kind of relationship and you got burnt, you got hurt. And the Bible says that perfect love, John says this again, he says perfect love drives out or casts out fear. That's, that's how powerful God's love is, not my love. I mean, you know, some of us, God made you in such a way that you're just kind of a natural loving person. Have, have you noticed that? Some people, just by their very nature, I'm not sure why God did it this way, and, and, and some people are just kind of like, they just seem like they love but even you, if that's you, at some point, you're going to hit that barrier. And you're like, okay, my love goes this far, but I can't, that's, that's as far as it goes. God wants you to be able to take your love to a whole different level. To love in a way that, that you never, ever thought that you could love before. People you never thought you could love before. So whatever it is that sustains us is going to maintain. So what is sustaining you today? I mean, what is it really? Like, not the really, I don't want to hear the religious answer, Jesus I mean, maybe it is. I hope it is. Because we all think that's what we're supposed to say. But what is it? Because you need to think about that. And if it's something bigger than God, then you need to think about that. And maybe do something about that. If there's something else that anchors your soul, if there's something that's more life-giving, that's a problem from a God perspective, because you've limited yourself. You've, you, you've, basically, what you've done is you've bonsaied yourself. You've bonsaied your faith. You put limitations on your ability to love. We're meant to experience love. Did you know that? God designed us for love all of our life. Unending love. This is the way that uh, Paul says it. Verse 17 and 18. And I pray that you may have power... And to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is, is the love of God. And, and so when we think about, well, how wide is God's love? Well, we know that his love reaches all the way around the world to every person who's ever lived. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? That's how wide it is. There's no end. It just keeps moving from person to person, generation to generation. How, how, how long is it? Well, it's for eternity. And there's no end to that. God will love and never stop loving because God, God is love. And then how high is it? Well, his love is high enough to get us to heaven, and sometimes that takes a lot of love. Some of us more than others. God says, okay, man, you're a project. We're going to get you to heaven somehow. And then finally, this, that his love will reach down to the deepest, darkest places. It'll reach into the crack house. It'll reach into the darkest place of addiction. It'll reach down to the most evil place ever. His love is there too because God loves us that much. As, as a matter of fact, Paul goes on in Romans. He, just, he doesn't have, have enough words to describe love. And in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39, he says, For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or, nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He says nothing can separate us from the love of God, but there is one thing that can separate us from the love of God. And that's us. We're the only ones. God says, I'm bringing the love. I'm bringing more love than you can handle. I'm bringing love every day. But the question is, are you open to my love? Will you receive my love? That's, that's really, that's, that's the question. Romans, in all creation. Then it says, 
the, the depth of my root. Now, hey, let's talk about our roots for a second. Let's get back to the bonsai deal. How, how deep are your roots today? Like, are they making progress in, the, in, in God? Are your roots getting down in the, in the area where you're beginning to love more, care more, have more compassion? Because the depth of our roots determines the height of, of, of our growth. Now, this is a really cool tree right here. Um, this is actually the tallest tree in the world. It's called the Hyperion tree. Anybody care to guess how tall that tree is? That's 380 feet tall. That is an amazing tree. And when you look at that tree, you think, wow, wouldn't it be cool if our faith grew like that tree? But see, the higher that tree goes, the more that tree has to dig down and get more water, and the roots have to go deeper. To sustain a tree that's 380 feet tall, you can only imagine how deep those roots have to go. That same principle applies to you and I, that the deeper we get into God, the more we, he becomes the giver of life to us, and we go, you are what drives me. You are what gets me up in the morning. You are the one that gives me the love when I don't have the love. You're the one that helps me to overcome the fears in my life so that I'm able to love even when I'm afraid to love. God, it's you. It's going to be about growing, not about bonsaiing ourselves. Because I, I'm, I fear, and I, I really fear this. I know I've been around church people all my life. And, and, and you can just kind of tell, and it's easy to fall into. It's kind of like, well, I, I, I'm good. I'm good. You know, I, I go to church once in a while. I read the Bible sometimes, and I pray once in a while, and I love God. I think I, think I love God most of the time. And so you're kind of at a place right there where you're, whether you know it or not, I mean, if that's really the attitude, it's kind of like you are bonsai in your faith. You're saying, I'm going to stay right here. And I'm cool with being right here. I mean, after all, I want to be one of those religious fanatics, right? I want to be one of those Jesus freaks. And so I'm, I'm, I'm just cool. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stay right here. This is the beauty of when our roots begin to go down. Not only do our roots begin to go down individually to God, that we all, like, I start to love God, you start to love God more and more and more. But when we do it together, something beautiful happens. It's kind of like this. In these 20 years that this church has been here, I've watched people come and go, but I've watched something profound happen when people's roots start to go down. And I've watched us individually. I've I've watched some of you just grow. I'm like, whoa, God's doing something in their life, and it's a beautiful thing to see God doing something in your life and in your life. Like, wow, there's something going on there. And then you're, you're kind of like a person, a piece of a mosaic, jagged, multicolored, shiny, interesting, each one of us, our own personality, the way God designed us. But then what God does is he, he takes each one of us and he puts us together in this beautiful mosaic called Newbreak, Pacific Beach. And he says, okay, together you are so powerful. And, and, and together a, a, as a group, you, what you do is you begin to express a greater picture of who I am, a greater dimension of my love. And so the people don't just look at me or they don't just look at you, but they... They begin to look at us at a group, and they say, so when you say that you love, it actually looks like you are loving. It looks like you love each other, and it looks like you're loving your community because you're doing some pretty cool stuff. There's an expression of love that's, that's coming out of this church. He says, together with all the Lord's holy people. I love the word holy. It just means set apart for a purpose. God has a purpose for each one of us individually and, and, and collectively. 
together with all the Lord's holy people. Now, I'm going to jump. This might seem like I'm taking, like, where are you going with this? Let me read it first, and I'll tell you. Revelation, who's writing this? John, again. By the way, when John writes this, he's an old man. He's He's exiled to the island of Patmos. And he's writing, and Jesus is speaking, he's having a revelation, that's why the book is called that, and, and he's, he's speaking the words of Jesus to some different churches. And this church is called the Church of Ephesus. Let's see, we're in the book of Ephesians right now, that's the church we're talking about. Now look, look what he says to this church, this is 30 years after Paul writes this letter. And he says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. This is the very first church that, God, that Jesus talks to. And he says, Ephesus, you were once a great church 30 years ago. You were a fantastic church. What has happened to you? you you've lost your first love. And then he goes on. If you read more into it, he says, I want you to repent. I want you to do a 180 and come back to me with all of your heart. You bonsai'd yourself. He said, we're good. Like, we're cool. He says, No. Actually, you're not cool. You're very uncool. That's why you need to repent, because one time you were very passionate about me, and somehow you, you, you've lost your first love. And maybe, maybe that describes some of you today. Maybe you're here today, and you say, yeah, there was a time. There was a day. Boy, I, just, I felt so close to God, but I'm here today, and I don't feel so close to God. I don't know what happened. I kind of lost, sort of lost my way. I, I, I don't know. So I want to leave you with this thought. As roots go down searching for water, how am I searching for God's love to sustain me? The church that I I pastored, the very first church that I pastored was in Ocean Beach, and and there was a huge ficus tree in front of it. Here's here's a picture of a ficus tree. Now, this wasn't the tree, but this is what a ficus tree looks like. I want you to take a look at those roots right there that are growing out, and you can see it going into the ground. So uh, this particular church, it was actually today, it's the OB campus. This ficus tree was beautiful. And everybody that would come to our church would go, well, you just stand back. People used to take pictures in front of the ficus tree. And we were really proud of the ficus tree. We were like, wow, I, you know, because people just thought it was so beautiful. It provided shape. When you walked out of the sanctuary, you know, there it was. It was just in all of its grandeur. And, and, and uh, there, there, it caused a problem we didn't know about. See, in the meantime, while we were all admiring the ficus tree, the roots were doing some really destructive stuff. And, and, and they, we started, they started to push up the sidewalk, the public sidewalk, and the city came to us and said, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to pay for that. It was the ficus tree. They, we don't care about the ficus tree. You pay, you're going to pay for that. And, and then we also noticed it, it, later on when we began to renovate the place, it was crashing into pipes, pushing pipes all over the place, and then uh, actually went under the building, caused all, all kinds of damage. Say, so, well, Steve, okay, wh- where are you going with this? So let me tell you where I'm going with this. You and I, those roots of ours, are driven by love. And when you don't get love from God, you're going to get love from somewhere. You're going to find love in all the wrong places. Maybe you already have. And you're going to, whenever whenever you and I go outside the boundaries of God, and we begin to try to find love, and it could be in a person, an activity, an experience, something else, and we go, well, that's what drives me. What happens is your love becomes destructive, and it doesn't end well. I mean, if, if you take it all the way to the end of your life, one day you're going to say, you're, you're going to know. I was looking for love, because we all are, because we can't help ourselves. We're designed for it. We will always search for love. But I was looking for it in all the wrong places. 
and I didn't even know it. And love was right in front of me all the time. In the person of God and in his son, Jesus. Bow your heads with me if you would. You're here today and, and, and you just feel God talking to you. And you know that he's probably told you several things. I hope that he's affirmed that one more time, he loves you, he loves you, he loves you. And maybe you've drifted away from God. We don't usually drift in healthy directions. You, you just kind of got away from having that relationship. Your, your roots haven't gone very far. In fact, you've kind of bonsai yourself, your faith, your love. You've lost your first love. And if you're here this morning, and you know that's true about you, and you want to do what Jesus said to the church of Ephesus, come back, repent. Then I want you to respond. I want you to respond by raising your hand because I want to pray with you. This is not an indictment against anyone, but just raise that hand high. Say, I'm coming back for some of you. If you're there and you say, I just, I want to get back to, yes. Anybody else? Okay, I see some hands. Yeah. I want to come back to God fully. Okay. No more messing around. No more bonsai in my faith. I'm coming back. Yeah. So Jesus, I pray for these that have responded, these that have raised their hands this morning. You see not only their hands, but you see their heart. You see their, their spirit. And Lord, I, I, I just pray that you would help them to know how pleased you are that they got honest with you in this moment. And, and, I, and if there's anybody else and they're just hesitant, I just give them the courage, Lord, to move towards you. Your word says that if we'll move towards you, you'll move towards us. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you love us so, so much. Words can't express. And Lord, collectively, as a church, help us to put our roots down deep and to love each other more than we ever thought we could and to love our communities that we come from more than we ever thought we could. In Jesus' name we pray.